0: Luke chapter seven. Let me ask you a question this morning as we begin. Have you ever ever made a statement or a claim only to have someone else say two words to you? You make a statement, you make a claim, and they say these two words. Prove it. You ever had somebody say that to you? Prove it. Back in 2009, I was up here in Vancouver and uh, actually speaking for uh, Pastor Connor Sr. at GVBC. And so I was staying with Pastor Paul. He wasn't a pastor yet then. And I remember I was staying with him. I forget what, uh, I forget exactly what event I was up for, but uh, I was staying with Pastor Paul and I made, I made this claim. He had just got a brand new video game. This is back when I still, we still played video games. You know where exactly where I'm going, don't you? And uh, Pastor Paul got this game, and I said to Pastor Paul, oh, I'll beat you at that game. I'll beat you. It was Madden Football, Madden 09. And I said, oh, Pastor Paul, I'll beat you at that. And Paul looked at me, and he said, prove it. And I wasn't expecting that. I was hoping that he would just take my word. So we sat down and we played this video game. And here's what I will tell you. I did not win. And Pastor Paul has held that over my head. Anytime we'll be walking, we still to this day, we'll walk through a mall together. If we see Madden, Pastor Paul will go, hey, you want to play? And I'm like, no, I don't want to play. I made this claim, and I couldn't prove it. I couldn't validate it. You remember when you were in maybe uh, junior high school, or you were in uh, grade 7 or grade 8, and had a um, science fair? Anybody ever have to do a science fair? I Man, the science fair, what do you do with the science fair? Well, you, you make a claim about an experiment that you're going to do, and then you have, to, you have to validate that hypothesis. You make this claim, and then you have to prove it. When I was in seventh grade, we did a science fair at our school, and my mom came up with this great idea that my experiment was going to be what was the best bathtub cleaner on the market. Now, I think my mom had an ulterior motive. Moms, would you agree with that? That mom, she probably had an ulterior motive. And so she was like, hey, I think you should do the best bathtub cleaner. And so I made my statement, my hypothesis at the time. I think it was like, I don't know, Comet or Ajax or something like that. And I said, you know, I I, um, make the statement that Comet is the best bathtub cleaner out there. And then I had to do the experiment. And so my mom made me do the experiment (laughs) on more than one bathtub. She had me, I, I had to uh, get some tape and I marked out and I put different cleaners in different spots of the bathtub and then, and then she stood at the door as I scrubbed all the bathtubs and she's like, isn't this fun? This is a fun project. Science is great. And I remember scrubbing those bathtubs and then I had to write my report. And you know, my report, I had to present evidence to prove my claim that Comet was the best cleaner. For many of you today, you are here at City Baptist. You come here every week. You come and you sing and you listen to the preaching and you greet each other. Hey, how are you? Oh, better better than ever. Oh, I'm blessed. And your life... And your actions are making a statement. You come in week in and week out, and here's what you are saying God matters to me. Your statement, your claim is, I'm a follower of God. Well, this morning, here's what I want to encourage you with prove it, validate your claim. If you are going to state that you are a follower of God from every young person, if there's an eight-year-old in here all the way to an 85-year-old or a 90-year-old or whatever, if you're going to state that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to be able to validate it. You've got to be able to prove it. And this morning, we're going to go to Luke chapter number seven. We're going to find a story where we see a lady living out her faith and showing us what it means to validate our claim. You see, City Baptist Church today celebrates nine years. Nine years of claiming we are followers of Jesus Christ. And today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to discover probably one of the best things that you as a church can do, one of the best things that you as an individual can do to validate your claim that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse number 36 is where we're going to go. Luke chapter 7, verse number 36. Here's what we read. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him or invited him, saw it, he spake, the Pharisee spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for or because... She is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he, Simon the Pharisee, he says, Master, say on. And Jesus speaks, verse number 41. There was a certain creditor, which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Now tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And Jesus said to Simon, thou hast rightly judged. And Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Simon. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore? Jesus speaking, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, because she loved much. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Jesus turns to the woman, Thy sins are forgiven, and they that sat at meat, With him, they began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he, Jesus, said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I want to make a statement to you this morning as we get going. We'll pray and then we'll jump into the message. And here's the statement that we're going to look through today it's this A transformed life or a changed life is the most powerful demonstration of a belief in and relationship with Jesus Christ. What what do you mean, Pastor? Saying that you're a follower of Jesus is one thing, but living a life that shows you're a follower of Jesus is completely different. A transformed or a changed life, it is the most powerful demonstration of a belief in and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into this passage today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a minute, and in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray, this is just between you and God, would you pray something like this, dear God, please speak to me today. Just just you and God, right now, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, dear God, would you please speak to me today? And then would you commit to him, God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen to you today. Dear Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the time of just singing worship to you and glorifying you. And Lord, we just want to praise you today for who you are, for what you have in store for us. And God, I pray this morning, these next few minutes together, that you would help us. I pray, Lord, that you'd give clarity of thought, direction, words, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us, and God, that you would help us today to know that we've met with you and been challenged by you. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> when many of you trusted Christ as Savior, you probably said to people around you, like, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus now. Hey, I've received Christ into my life. And, and you, you made that statement. And then many of you, uh, probably if you're like me, you begin to be burdened. Burden for people that you know that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. And I will say today, if you're here this morning and you don't know that Jesus Christ is in your life, you don't know that your sins have been forgiven, that you have a relationship with God, today before you leave, we want to give you an opportunity where you can make a decision between you and God to put your faith and trust completely in Him. That's a decision that every one of us should make. You see, we're all born separated from God. We're born sinners Right? You don't have to teach a child how to sin. It's just in us. We are sinners. And because of that sin, we are separated from God. Because of that sin, we deserve hell. Because of that sin, we need God's forgiveness and we need a restored relationship with God. And how we receive that is not by getting baptized. It's not by going to church. It's not by being a good person. No, how we receive a relationship with God is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, recognizing that Jesus died in our place for our sin. I mean, I remember my dad used to say it this way, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus Christ still would have died for you. That's how much he loves you. And so if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that today before you leave, you you would make that decision of recognizing, God, I need you, and I believe that. Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified for my sin, that he was buried and that he rose again just for me. And so if you don't know Christ as your savior, I hope you'd make that decision today. But for those of you that do know Jesus, you remember when you first got saved, when you first trusted Christ, remember how you had a burden for all of your friends? Maybe you still do, your friends and your family. I mean, that's why this church was started, was to reach a community for Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you this morning, what would be the best way that you could reach people with Jesus? What would be the best way that City Baptist could impact Vancouver for the cause of Jesus Christ? Uh, Is it logical arguments? Is it being able to argue from from the Bible? Is, Is that it? Is it, is it being the person that stands up and proclaims, hey, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, we're right, you're wrong, is that it? Is it being able to identify and know the truth of God's word? Oh, now all of those things are good answers. The truth of God's word matters, and it does matter that you would, should be able to uh, um, maybe debate what you believe with a gracious spirit. But I want us to see this morning that the number one thing that will make a difference in people's opinion about Jesus Christ is you living it out. We come this morning to Luke 7. It's a familiar story. Don't get it confused with uh, the story maybe of Mary Magdalene. Don't get it confused with the story in John chapter number 12. This is a different story. The story takes place at the house of a man by the name of Simon. Simon is a Pharisee. He is a religious leader. And on this day, this man, Simon, he invites Jesus at this time in Jesus' ministry. He's probably been ministering about a year and a half. And, and of course, notoriety has taken place. People are beginning to believe in Jesus Christ. He has worked some miracles. He has taught some um, some truths that have literally kind of turned the world upside down. And people are beginning to wonder who is this man. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't like it. So they were actually trying to find issues with Jesus. Well, here's what takes place on this day. This Pharisee, Simon, He invites Jesus to a meal. Now, that would be totally appropriate, totally customary. As a matter of fact, whenever there was somebody of notoriety in your area, it would be an honor for you to have them into your home for a meal. But, kind of different from our day and age and theirs, the the setting would be maybe just a living room or a a little dining area with a, a table right here. And then, of course, they would not. Sit sit at chairs at the table like we would. They would kind of sit in a side reclined position where they would be leaning and their feet would be out. And many of you, I mean, of course, uh, Vancouver is kind of a melting pot of cultures. So there's this culture. This is still in some areas of the world how they eat, how they ate there. And so they'd be laying down. Jesus's feet would be out, but the room would be open. And so anybody, anybody from the city, if if I knew that you were having someone of notoriety to your house for a meal, I could go to your house as an uninvited guest and I could listen in on the conversation. Open windows, open doors. And as a matter of fact, if there was room, it was an honor for you to allow anybody into your home to, to kind of be a fly on the wall, so to speak. And so... What happened on this day? Well, a woman of the streets snuck in. And she's by Jesus' feet. Jesus, of course, kind of in that reclined position. And as she's there, this woman causes a little bit of commotion because as Jesus and Simon and the other guests are talking, this woman just begins to weep. She's there at the feet of Christ and she just begins to cry and looking down, no doubt she's realizing who she is and she's realizing this is the Messiah. She probably was a a fringe follower that had heard about Jesus. She's already believed that he is the Messiah. She's already trusted him as Savior. She knows this and she's just overwhelmed with emotion. She begins to cry and as she cries, she looks down and she notices Jesus's feet there covered in dirt. Now, they wore sandals around all the time. It would be customary if you came in my home that I would offer uh, somebody to wash your feet right as you enter the door. Well, on this day, that didn't happen. And as this woman begins to cry, she notices Jesus's feet. And that's a a dishonor. And so she allows her tears to fall on his feet. and, And then she's looking for a a rag or something to wipe his feet off. She doesn't have anything. So she takes her hair out. And for a woman to let down her hair in that culture was dishonor, but she didn't care. She took her hair out and she began to, to dry the feet of Christ. No doubt she's on her knees and, and her hair, and she's just drying his feet. And then as his feet get clean, she she begins to embrace his feet. She hugs him and, and she begins to kiss his feet. And now, if if you're like me, I don't like feet. But we need to know, like, there's nothing sensual going on here. There's nothing wrong. The, the word that's used for kissing feet, it just means to simply embrace and to show endearment. And in that moment, she has a little tincture, a little, this is called the alabaster box. She has a little tincture around her neck that, that women like her would wear, just a perfume. And she takes that tincture out and she breaks it open and she anoints Jesus' feet and and she's hugging and embracing and Simon's sitting there, the Pharisee, the religious leader. And he's there and he says, in his head, he says, if Jesus knew who this woman was, he wouldn't allow her to touch him. Why? Well, she's a woman of the streets. She's a a sinful woman. She's a woman that has had a lifestyle that that many would say is a reprobate lifestyle. And and Simon is thinking, if she knew. He's not the Messiah. If he knew, if he really was a prophet. Well, Jesus, knowing Simon's thoughts, he says, hey, Simon, I got a question for you. No doubt Simon, he doesn't know Jesus is reading his thoughts. Simon sits up. He says, yeah, master, say on, almost kind of arrogance there, like, oh, hey, I want everybody to notice Jesus is speaking directly to me. And Jesus presents a situation to Simon. As Simon, I got a question for you. There's a, a lender who loans out money to two different people. To one, he loans, we'll, we'll say, $500. To somebody else, he, owns five, he loans $5. Now, Simon, neither one of them could pay the debt. So, Simon, here's what that lender did. The lender, the one who loaned the money, he forgave both of them. Hey, hey, you don't owe me 500. Hey, you don't owe me five. It's forgiven. All right, Simon, you got it? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Simon, I got a question for you. Which one loves the lender the most out of those two? And Simon thinks about it. he says, well... I suppose the one that had the most debt forgiven, the largest debt forgiven. And Jesus looks at him and says, ah, Simon, you are the smart kid in the class. Simon, you nailed it on that. Simon, you got it. Simon's arrogance is, I got it. He told me I was right. And then Jesus turns the tables a little bit and says, now, Simon, let me teach you a lesson about this. Simon, when I came in, you didn't wash my feet. I mean, it's customary in our culture to do it with anybody, you you didn't do that. Simon, when I came in, you didn't dry my feet off. Simon, when I came in, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Now in their culture, and there's still some today, you greet with a kiss, I'm thankful we didn't do that this morning, you know? We do it usually with a handshake. He says, Simon, when I came in, you didn't even, hey, you didn't even shake my hand, you didn't give me a kiss, Simon. And then you didn't give me any ointment. Now the ointment would be to cover up some of the odors and things like that. Simon, when I came in, you neglected to do all of that. But hey, Simon, when we sat down to eat, here's what happened. She has washed my feet with her tears. She has wiped them with her hairs. Simon, she took her own oil, her own alabaster box, and she has anointed my feet. And Simon, she hasn't stopped from embracing me from the moment we got in here to the moment that she realized who I was. Hey, Simon, do you want to know why she's doing this? It's because she realizes how much she's forgiven. And here's the lesson that Jesus teaches Simon Simon, she's proving her belief. She doesn't care who watches, she doesn't care what takes place, she's proving her belief. Her life proves it. Her actions prove it. She doesn't care about letting her hair down, about the honor. You know what, Simon? She didn't care about the money, the expense. Simon, here's what you need to understand. She realizes how much I have forgiven in anyone's life. And Simon, when you realize how much I've forgiven, you'll love me even more. This woman validated her claim. This woman, she... In this moment, had a complete life act of worship and humility. And before we go this morning, I just want to give you a few lessons that I find in this passage that I think will help us. So if you have a pen and paper, you can write these lessons down. We'll go through them quickly. But I want you to notice a few lessons from this passage. Number one. I want us to see in this passage, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you. No matter who you are, Jesus loves you. You see in the story, you know what happened is is Jesus took, he took time for Simon, the religious Pharisee, and Jesus took time for a woman of the streets. This is a wide spectrum of people or of lifestyle. And here's what you and I need to recognize. No matter who you are, Jesus loves you. You see, some could come and say, hey, Jesus, I am the religious. Hey, look at my religion. And Jesus says, even though your religion is nothing before me, I still love you. And someone else may come and say, man, God, I have no right to be before you. I mean, God, you you know my past. And God, you know who I am. And God, you know what I've done. And here's what Jesus would say to you. No matter who you are, I love you. Think about these verses. I think about Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, where Jesus said this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Hey, the invitation is out for anybody. Come to me, why? Because I love you. Lesson number one, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you. Lesson number two, Lesson number two is that Jesus deserves our worship from a heart of humility. Again, we're just looking at this story, just going to pull out a few quick lessons. And the second lesson we have this morning is Jesus deserves our worship from a heart of humility. Do you know what Jesus did not do in this story? He did not condemn this woman for anything that she did. Because Jesus is the son of God and he deserves all of the worship that we could ever give him. As we were singing over here this morning, uh, I, I loved the music today and the music team. You guys did so good today. And I, I felt uh, there was one song in particular, I forget which one right now, but there was one song in particular that I just thought, man, I needed this today. I needed it today. And in that moment, here's what I I prayed for the Lord. God, when I get up today and when Pastor Paul gets up today and as the music team leads today, God, we don't want to be seen. We just want you to be seen why? Because Jesus is worthy of it all. And you see we we may step back and say, "Well, okay, I don't really understand. Man, I don't have an alabaster box. Jesus isn't here physically. How am I supposed to embrace him?" Listen, one of the best things you could do is every day wake up, humble yourself before God and say, "God, today I don't want people to see me. Today I want them to see you." Because God, you deserve all of the worship. You deserve all of the praise. I think about Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11 where the word of God says the angels will cry out, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and He deserves all of our worship. He deserves all of our praise. Lesson number one, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you. Lesson number two, Jesus deserves our worship from a heart of humility. Lesson number three. Lesson number three is this, it's not your responsibility to determine who Jesus should or should not love. You know, a lot of us, we come to this passage and we look at this and we think, oh yeah, I'm the woman right here. I mean, I'm, I'm the woman, I want to come and I want to worship Jesus. And we identify, we, we identify with the character of this woman and we say, yes, that would be me. But un- unfortunately, do you know what many of us are? Many of us are actually Simon. You see, many of us, we play the role of Simon. What does Simon do? Man, Lord, if you knew the truth about them, you wouldn't bless them. Man, God, if you knew really what they were, then you wouldn't. And we try to play God in the lives of other people. Can I just tell you, when you look at that first thought today, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you. The truth is, it is never our place to determine who Jesus should or should not love. It's never our place to determine who Jesus should or should not bless. Hey, you and I are not God. And when we look at this story, I love the fact that Jesus condemned Simon. Like Simon, hey, hey, this isn't your place, man. I've I've forgiven her and Simon, I'm offering forgiveness to you but Simon, you're too arrogant to receive it. Instead, we should have the heart of David in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everla- the way everlasting. Hey, you know what messes a lot of Christians up? If you're a follower of Jesus, you want to know what will mess up your Christian walk is when you start comparing yourself with other people. That's why in Corinthians, Paul wrote that it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. Hey, there is only one person I compare to and that's Jesus Christ and I will come short every time. So what do I do? I, hum- I humble myself, I worship him, I recognize who I am, I don't deserve his love and I'm not gonna be the one to determine the love that anybody else deserves. Lesson number four, Jesus desires To forgive everyone. Lesson four is that Jesus desires to forgive everyone. We already spoke about the love of Jesus Christ, but in this passage, this lesson to the Pharisee is a lesson about the need for a Savior. The lesson is not, listen, the lesson is not who is the biggest or worst sinner. Okay, catch that. The lesson is not who's the worst sinner. The lesson is about understanding forgiveness. See, because what we like to do is we might look at this through our 21st century Christian, Christian eyes and we would say, oh, so Jesus is saying the woman is a great sinner and Simon's not that much of a sinner. No, 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 no. The fact of the matter is the woman understand she was a great sinner. Simon did not understand that he was a great sinner. And you see what we do nowadays in in our Christian faith and even in our culture. And, and you've been around people that, well, I don't, I don't really need forgiveness. I mean, I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I didn't, I've never killed somebody. I've never done that. And we begin to compare sins. The fact of the matter is, it's not about how much sin needs to be forgiven. It's about the fact that we need forgiveness. And the Bible actually says it this way in Isaiah chapter number 64 and verse number six, but we are all as an unclean thing. Listen, and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. The very best that you have to offer it is filth to God. And you know what you need? Forgiveness. If you're here this morning and you've never received that forgiveness, you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you today Make that decision. You need the forgiveness of God. There is a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill. And he says that if you would call upon him and ask him to forgive you of your sin and to be your savior, that he would do that. Lesson one, no matter who you are, Jesus loves you. Two, Jesus deserves our worship from a heart of humility. Number three, it is your responsibility to determine, it is not your responsibility to determine who Jesus should or should not love. Number four, Jesus desires to forgive everyone. And the last thing today, as I get ready to close, is this a changed life validates the gospel more than we realize. Here's what Jesus did Jesus used this woman's actions to show her love and her gratitude. You see, she had already been forgiven. When Jesus said, I have been, I've forgiven you, it wasn't in that moment because she was washing his feet. She had already been forgiven. And here's what Jesus was saying to her. Hey, listen, I see it. You understand, you understand that you've been forgiven. And this woman in this moment, she understood and Simon, I believe Simon got it because if you look at the next few verses, they begin to get frustrated at him. And you can go study out some passages and discover that from this moment on, Jesus began to only speak in parables to people because they understood Jesus was saying, I am the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And if you believe in me, I will forgive your sins, but then you should live a life that backs it up. For us today, here's what I want us to understand as we get ready to be done is the fact that a transformed life or a changed life, it is the most powerful demonstration of a relationship with Jesus. And yes, these other lessons can help us, the knowing that God loves everybody, knowing that God wants to forgive everybody, knowing that God matters or should matter or everyone matters to God. But the main lesson I just want us to understand this today is this. As you go out in your life and as you work day in and day out with people and as you invite people to City Baptist Church, the loudest microphone, the best magnifying glass, the biggest impact that you will have in people is when they look at you and they see. They don't just say what they believe, they live it. They don't just say that they're a follower of Jesus. Their life shows it. They speak differently. They act differently. Their marriage is different. They're, they're raising their kids different. Their faith to, to God is different than my faith to the God that I believe in. And, and people will see that. You know what people will do? They'll say, I want what you have. Man, you are, you, you, there is something different. A changed life is there. You see, friend, the fact of the matter is this. We don't have religion. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have relationship. And because of that, you live, you live every day, walking hand in hand with a God, with a God who loves you and who cares for you. And This morning, I want to encourage you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, make a decision today that this week I want my life to back up what I speak. I'm going to worship him from a heart of humility. This week, I'm not going to judge others. I'm just going to walk with God. This week, I'm going to have a life that validates my claim. But if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today, I want to encourage you to make that decision.